Hello, hello everyone. This is Kenny from the Big Sky State. I want to welcome you and thank you so much for joining me here on Cutting Fences. This is a podcast that advocates for the incredible people in the agricultural population who have suffered injuries, accidents, or have disabilities. Enjoy these amazing individuals, stories, experiences, equipment, life hacks, and more. This is a space molded to cultivate compassion, empathy, and support. So join my guests and I in eliminating barriers and uniting fields while we plant seeds of support to harvest humanity. Thank you so much for listening, and I invite you to be so inspired. I'm so excited to wrap OT Month up with another interview with the Rocky Mountain College Occupational Therapy Doctorate Program students, um, and I want to welcome them and thank them so much for joining me here. My name is Madeline, and I'm from the suburban life of Houston, Texas. Um, I want to be an OT because I've always had an innate desire to help and take care of others. I went through a surplus of careers to figure out um, how I could best genuinely and holistically do this, and once I came across OT, I was stuck. Uh, My name is Bailey Hyatt. I am from Santa Rosa, California, which is in the lovely wine country of Northern California. And uh, I wanted to be an OT because it was really important to me um, to be able to give back to a lot of agricultural workers, um, especially those that may not necessarily have a lot of resources. Um, So just being able to help them in pursuing their occupation. Hi, my name is Kira Bean, and I am from a small rural town in Northern California, about as far north as you can possibly go. And I want to be an OT because um, growing up, we were taking care of my great grandma when I was um, like all throughout my teenage years and stuff. And it really just showed me the importance of caring for others and really taught me compassion from an early age. And when I first heard about OT right when I was graduating with my undergrad, I just knew that it was the right fit for me. Hi. I'm Dr. Amanda Carroll, um, and I am an OT, so I'm going to tell you why I love OT. (laughs) Um, I'm from Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is a huge Marine Corps base and veteran town. Um, And why I've always been interested in OT is because it really can make an impact in helping people's quality of life with the things that they do every day. So not any big, huge, crazy interventions, but in our land, it's the things that we do every day that impact our health and well-being. Well, the OT world is very lucky to have you, future OTs, and you, um, Dr. Carroll, as an OT and um, somebody very dedicated to research. So speaking of research, we can kind of dive into your research project if you want to just tell us what you're doing. Um, you can tell us the title of your research, but really what the purpose behind it is. The title of our research project is The Relationships Between Rural Cult." Rural culture, occupation, and mental well-being in rural Montana. Um, we decided to use the term mental well-being due to the stigma that can come from saying mental health, and we really want to show the positives and shed light on what rural Montanans are already doing to improve their mental well-being. Uh, we don't want to necessarily focus on what they should be doing or feeling. Um, overall, we just want to explore what Montanans are doing and their occupations that benefit their mental well-being and how rural. Rural culture plays a role in this. Great. I And I just appreciate the approach you take to it because being from Montana, I feel like a lot of times we see the issues and we think it's like a light switch thing or that if we just get this grant, <clears throat> we'll have the funding to be able to make moves and make changes. But I think 
what I appreciate about your group so much is that you're, for one, reading 56 counties, learning about Montana as a whole, and I'm learning a lot about Montana as a whole reading that book, Um, but you're really diving into why are we here where we're at and finding the importance of how important that is to then move to a better place with mental well-being and all of that. So I appreciate the approach you're taking. Um, I also very much appreciate that you're very passionate about rural. Um, So where does that come from? Why are you guys so passionate about rural? I think for each of us in our own way, rural is personal, whether we grew up rural or just acquired an affection for it as a place. And for the people, we all have a love for it in our own way. I know like for Brooke and I, um, both of us grew up here, but for each one of us, I don't think that we would be here at Rocky Mountain College if in Montana if we didn't love rural as a place and for the people here. So, And then mental well-being and mental health, that, that field and that topic can be very hard at times to talk about and to address. What does, where does your passion come for mental well-being? Yeah, so just knowing how prevalent it is here in the state of Montana um, and it not being a topic discussed as much as it should, um, it's affecting people more than they might think. Um, You know, a healthy mind creates a healthy life and vice versa. Um, It shapes how we make decisions, interact with others, and how we interact with our communities and even environments. And so, you know, we've seen studying occupational therapy that people's engagement or lack of engagement in occupations can play a huge role in their mental well-being. Absolutely. And yeah, mental well-being, overall well-being and happiness really um, that they experience. I think having those outlets and things that you enjoy is a big part of living a good life. So um, how can people get involved in your research project so right now with our research, um, we're looking to have participants from rural areas um, become involved. Uh, we've sort of tried to pin down what rural really means um, just because a lot of the data out there is supportive of, well, rural is everything that isn't urban. Um, so a big portion of what our research is, is trying to figure what that, that means. Um, but yeah, so how people can get involved is if people or if an individual is from a rural community, um, which is pretty much any town um, with fewer than 50,000 people, um, we're asking them to participate um, and pretty much fill out a couple surveys. Um, we have something called Voto Voice, which will be an interactive activity that we'll, they'll be doing, um, pretty much using things that are important in their life um, and taking pictures of those uh, so that we can sort of look for themes and pretty much look for common threads um, of different people. Um, How people can do that is obviously we'll be sending out um, information packets pretty much to people within the community, um, especially community leaders. And if you are a community leader, we can definitely use your help. Um, But we will be sending out information packets. um, And if people are interested, um, it shouldn't take more than, you know, half an hour to do some of the surveys. And it will go over a while um, just taking photos. Um, And it's pretty much as as long as you have access to a phone, um, that's pretty much all you need. So if you're interested at all, um, we could definitely use your help. Um, I'm sure if you reach out to one of our professors, but either uh, Professor Kendra Joyce or Professor Dr. Carroll, um, we can uh, can get that information to you and we could definitely use your help. 
Sounds great. Well, I'm excited to see what comes out of it because you talk about how the definition doesn't really narrow it down, you know, anything that's not urban. And you're learning that, I think, a lot each day as you kind of dive into this topic is that there's so much more to rural than just the population density and things like that. There's a lot of culture behind that. And that's what I also appreciate about your project is you're trying to dive into kind of each subculture of Montana's entire culture in the rural aspect. So, Dr. Carroll, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your OT journey. Um, So, like I said, I'm from North Carolina, which is considered the most military-friendly state, and I um, grew up as a kiddo that whose dad was in the military, um, and I still have active-duty service members in my family. Um, So, when I went to OT school, I went not really thinking that I was totally going to do veterans or focus on veterans because, you know, I'd been around that my whole life. (laughs) Um, But what you realize is that a lot of times as you go further in your journey in education, um, you often come back to the things that were there from the beginning and that really shaped you as a person. So when I finished my OT degree from UNC, um, I'm going to date myself in 2012, Um, (laughs) which isn't that long ago, but, um, I did a level two fieldwork at the North Carolina state veterans home with our own Dr. Kirchin from this program. Um, and I just kind of fell back in love with that population. And one of the things that really struck me is that compared to civilian older adults, older veterans really did seem to be more anecdotally resilient, Um, And I wanted to practice before getting the PhD. So I worked for about six years and I worked as a travel therapist in majority really rural areas in the South. Um, So from Georgia to North Carolina to Virginia, um, they were all rural because there was a need for OT there. Um, But I kept running into veterans because I was working with older adults and I kept seeing this kind of resilience and it was just fascinating to me. Um, so I think I've been oriented towards a strengths-based approach from the beginning, which is really what I'm proud of our students for taking to when they're looking at mental well-being in a different way, like what are people already doing? Um, but I knew veterans too, there was something that they were already doing or had learned, um, in their time during military service that served them well as they went through the rest of their life. Um, and that just fascinated me and took me back for a PhD, which I just finished in December. Um, after six long years, but so worth it. (laughs) And I practiced most of the time I was still doing the PhD because it's really important for me to keep my toe in the clinical world. Um, and then came here and took a job with Dr. Kirchin and moved all the way across the country, um, by myself, (laughs) uh, because Montana has the second largest veteran population in the U S. Um, and I wanted to work for a program that that was the focus And I wanted to work for a program where I could bring my knowledge and my skill set to start filling this gap that is really in our literature and OT um, focused on rural. There's not a lot of people that are focused on it. Most OT schools are in big cities. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) All of it. And I think you are definitely filling that gap. um, And we're lucky to have you. So thank you for everything you do. Going back to the students, um, I'd love it if you shared just your favorite part or the most fulfilling part of your OT school journey so far. 
Um, so my favorite part of OT school so far has been the field works. Um, currently, I I was currently placed um, at Billings Clinic, um, which is pretty much just like an ICU department. Um, and, I, and as I was shadowing, shadowing in OT, um, you know, we have plenty of patients that are in, in pretty rough condition. Um, but one instance that really stuck out was the fact that during one of these sessions, um, we were working with this guy and his family was in the room and we were, we were just, I mean, it was the smallest movement of the hand and you could tell that the family was getting very emotional in a happy way, I should clarify. But just the fact that he could just start to move his upper extremities, um, his, I think it was his wife uh, just began to cry just because she had seen the worst of it. She was living in a really tough, in a really tough situation. Um, but she was sort of, with that little motion, she was sort of able to see that light at the end of the tunnel. So I think just those little instances and those little moments um, so far have been probably the highlight of my OT experience so far. Um, I think for me, like the highlight of OT school has just been all the hands-on learning experiences and opportunities that we've had here at Rocky Mountain. Um, I'm definitely more of a hands-on learner. And so to have all the opportunities to go out into the community and um, start doing the field work sites like Bailey was just talking about, like that's been super meaningful to me. And then also just all the experience in, in class as well. Um, the teachers have really taken the time to let us begin practicing the skills that we need right inside of the classroom. And that's just made it um, a lot more tangible for me and also helped um, with my learning style as well. Um, for me, I think every semester it changes just because um, the more advanced we get, um, the more, like Kira said, hands-on practice we get. Specifically, like Bailey said, this um, semester's fieldwork, I was doing home health, and um, I've never had exposure to home health, and so seeing how important occupational therapy is in their own environment that they're in, you know, 90% of their day and their lives, um, really made me see the importance of what I'm doing and why I'm here and keep me motivated to get through the program. Um, and then I don't want to repeat what Kira says, but um, yeah, all the hands-on practice um, and opportunities, I've easily been able to be involved not only in the community um, and the program, but like now the whole state. So that's just been a really awesome experience for me as well. Well, and I ask that question because <clears throat> indirectly, I mean, that's you advocating for OT, and we all know that it's still not very known what we do and to what extent we can help people. So thank you for sharing your stories, um, and thank you for being on this journey and entering this amazing profession and being on my podcast. I want to extend my greatest gratitude to my amazing sponsors. My prime sponsors include Joyce Fuel and Feeds, Helena Agri Enterprises, and Torgerson's. My choice sponsors include Stockman Bank, Nutrilix, Wilbur Ellis. My select sponsors include Montana Cattlemen's Association and Hoven Equipment Company. Thank you so much to all my sponsors for making this possible.